Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 16. Do ya! Welcome back to the RunFit365.com podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier. And as always, the uh, brilliant Coach Dan Cusin joins us. Dan, what's up? Well, that puts too much pressure on me. Yeah. I'm just uh, hoping this one goes down in flames. <laughs> <laughs> me too. It'll be entertaining for everyone. Yeah, I think every, anyone that's listened to any of the first 15 podcasts knows that's impossible with you. Um, so on si- episode 16, um, we're going to talk about signs of overtraining. And I think that... Um, you know, it's easy to get in the middle of a training cycle and, and really push yourself. But I think, um, you know, knowing what signs to look for to make sure you're not overdoing it, because you could totally ruin a training cycle if you're not paying attention to your body and listening to the signs it's telling you that, um, you know, maybe you're putting yourself at risk and your next big race at risk. So um, I'm sure you've got some good insight for us on that. And then we'll close with um, another Random Runner's World. Um, and I think we've got an episode or a, a segment lined up here from, uh, this is the September 2013 Runner's World, and we'll see uh, what we can find in that magazine. Awesome. So, Dan, uh, let's just jump into overtraining and, you know, how do you know if you're training too much? What, what should we be looking for? Sure. First of all, um, if, if you ex- are experiencing anything kind of discussed in this, this podcast, you need to work with your coach, nutritionalist, even your doctor, so that you don't get into um, the, the, deep, the deep overtraining. Uh, but essentially, let's just kind of talk about what it looks like. And think about what, if you think about a, a training cycle, you've got what people call a micro, uh, within the micro cycle, and a macro cycle. And a, a micro cycle is really, <clears throat> think about a week. You've got um, some hard days, some easy days. And hopefully, if they are lined up correctly, you're doing them in an alternating fashion. So you're not doing too much um, in a row and you're getting appropriate um, rest. So essentially, when you look at either oh, at a week at a time or even like a month at a time, you should be seeing a, a sequence. To where you're applying what's called overload, which is stressing the body, uh, accompanied with recovery. And if you apply overload and recovery uh, appropriately, then you, that basically becomes <clears throat> adaption, which is, of course, improvement. So it's, it's really important to understand that overload is what gets you improvement. But if you don't get the appropriate amount of recovery, and there's other factors we'll talk about, then you start to get into what's called overreaching, which are sort of the, the early signs of overtraining. Uh, so there's, there's differentiation between the two. Overreaching can be uh, something you can recover from a little quicker and get back to your training. Um, but overtraining is something once you reach, you really just kind of got to stop. And uh, we'll get to that in just a minute, but it's, it's not something you want to get to. So one of your primary goals when you're training, besides preventing injury, is prevent overtraining. 
So what I did is I pulled together um, nine signs uh, that you can kind of watch for to, to make sure that you're not getting to that stage. So let's go ahead and go through those nine real quick. So things like unexplained fatigue and heavy legs. So you know <clears throat> what this feels like likely. Everybody's had this sort of um, sensation. And, and it can be something you feel during your training. But really, you know, let you say you uh, do a hard workout. You feel really fatigued. You go to sleep that night. <clears throat> you, you get good sleep. You recover. And the next day you feel better. Well, if that, if that fatigue like you feel after a workout is something that you are feeling every day, long term, that could be a sign that you're not getting the appropriate recovery and starting to reach the overreaching or even overtraining phase. Second one on the list, <clears throat> you're a higher resting heart rate. And so this, your resting heart rate is something that's really pretty good at helping monitor from an objective standpoint. <clears throat> Let's say you wake up every morning, you take your resting heart rate. It should be relatively consistent rather than taking it throughout the day because, you know, you probably haven't drank any coffee or you haven't been up and walking around. So if you wake up and you've had a decent night's rest um, and you measure your resting heart rate and you do that every day, if you keep an eye on that number, if anything, it should be kind of going down over time. But if you aren't getting the appropriate amount of rest and recovery, then that resting heart rate can increase. <clears throat> and if you have, a, I think it's around 10% of an increase over, you know, uh, days, then essentially that's a good sign that you're not getting the appropriate amount of uh, rest that you need. So um, it's a good practice to get into. It's not, um, Ironclad is not something that you can hang your hat on, but it's something to watch and um, think about. And as you watch that resting heart rate, think about the other things that you could be experiencing uh, that could give you a clue that you're, you're either overdoing it or not getting enough rest. <clears throat> Next one on the list. Um, again, heart rate, but this has to do with your heart rate during activity. So let's say you are going up a hill and you expect as you're going up the hill your heart rate to go, you know, high. That's essentially what it's going to do. It's going to meet the demands of the workout and beat harder and faster. If, you know, if you've been doing heart uh, hill repeats before, you kind of know what to expect in your heart rate monitor. If you're not getting the appropriate amount of rest and you're easing into overreaching or overtraining, you may see that your heart rate is lower than it should be. could also be higher than it should be. So watch for those sort of things at your heart rate during activity and, and notice that um, it's, it's not where you expect it to be. And again, there's lots of variables that can affect that, like the weather, like the heat, humidity. Um, so think about that in, in conjunction with other things that on this list to, to kind of put it in perspective and make sure you're, you know, not getting towards one of those things. <clears throat> Okay, next one is experiencing injuries and illness. So, um, you know, everybody gets sick from time to time. Everybody gets an injury from time to time. But if you're noticing that you're getting sick, you're not getting better, um, your immune system could be uh, somewhat compromised because you're, you're putting stresses on your body from a training perspective, 
And if you're not fully recovering, that can actually impact your immune system. So you could see illnesses that you're continually getting sick or you're, you got sick and it just won't go away. Uh, those are good signs that your, your body needs to recover a little bit better. And then injuries, because if you have things like fatigue or um, some of these other things, you're not probably running with good form and you can put yourself at risk. So any of those two things are things to watch out for as well. You can see alterations in your sleep. And sleep is where we really recover. It's where your body releases the growth hormone and it, it really starts the re recovery process. Well, it doesn't start the recovery process. That's where the recovery process really takes place. So you have a hard run. You start the recovery process by giving it good nutrition right after the run. Um, you do all the right things afterwards. And at night, when you sleep, in the deep sleep cycle, you get growth hormone. And um, that's where you get that recovery. So if you're not getting good sleep and you are not getting, you know, rolling around and, you know, work stressing you out and whatever, and you're not getting good sleep, um, it could affect your sleep. And then you also don't get the appropriate recovery. Next one is increased thirst, decreased appetite. Um, you can become dehydrated and require more hydration um, and just a decreased appetite by, uh, you know, just being overtraining. Just watch for that in conjunction with other things. Uh, decreased motivation and change in mood. And this is maybe <clears throat> one of the first ones that people around you start to notice. So if you're, you feel kind of depressed or just not motivated to do your workout or, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, your significant other is probably the first to notice your moodiness. Um, don't dismiss that. Keep in mind when somebody says, you know, hey, you know, you're moody lately or whatever, think about these other symptoms and, and see if there's anything else going on that might point you in the direction that you're overdoing it a bit. <clears throat> Next one is you're not getting improvements. You're doing the workouts. You're, you're following the plan. You're doing things like you, sh you should be. And you're not making progression. You're not making improvement. And that's because over time, if you're not getting appropriate recovery, um, that fatigue and that, that buildup of um, basically leads to not making full progression. You, you, that fatigue is accumulating over time. And then finally, and this is kind of, I guess, a repeat of what I just said a, a minute ago, is just a decrease in performance. But not only just you not um, get progression and improvement, but even when you, you, know, you go out in a race, let's say you go out in a race, you don't do as well as you usually do on that particular race, that could be a sign that your performance is down. That could be a sign that you are overdoing it and not recovering fully. So those are basically the nine things I jotted down. There probably are more, but uh, the key is really paying attention to um, how you're feeling throughout training and watch for these things and catch them early. And we'll talk about in just a minute the, how you prevent them and how you recover from them, but I wanted to kind of put it out there, Travis, if you had any questions about any of those. No, I was just taking notes when you were going through those, and I just observed, you know, um, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, if you were training, you know, tracking heart rate or even your sleep patterns um, would be really hard or difficult to do. You know, you'd have to use the, um, you know, finger to the wrist type of thing. But now with technology, 
Mm-hmm. At least three to four of those nine that you talked about could be assisted by using, um, you know, your heart rate monitor, which is very common for runners nowadays. And then with, you know, the whole wearable technology piece, you know, I, I think we're just starting to see that come to the market and what it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Fitbits and tons of other things can help you track your sleep and um, help be an early indicator if you're not, you know, if you're seeing alterations in your sleep and um, you're not getting the appropriate amount of sleep, that could be a detection mechanism, again, to just show that you're overtraining. And then yep. the other things are just really up, you know, they're a little subjective, um, but they're signs, uh, you know, unexplained fatigue and the decrease in performance that can be really frustrating for you know any athlete when you're when the perception is that you're putting in um you know the hard work but you're just not seeing the results at the race day um and sometimes if you're not aware of the fact that you could be doing more harm than good during your training cycle uh it's easy to get frustrated when you show up on races and you just you're just not at your peak performance so that's something to definitely pay attention to Yep, absolutely. And those things like decrease in improvement can really play into things like your motivation, your change in mood, and they all kind of play on each other. So it's really important to, to look at everything as a whole. And as you'll, you'll find, I'll, I'll kind of just lead into the preventing. One of the things that's really important is for you to carefully monitor this just like everything else and recognize it early because the earlier you catch it, the more chance you have of getting back on track. Whereas if you let it go too long and you think, oh, I'm not overtraining, um, if you actually get to the level of overtraining, it, it, you could be out of the season. You could be out for six, eight weeks potentially. So it's really important that you pay attention to your body, pay attention to the things going on around you, and make sure that you are doing everything you can to fully um, recover from workouts. So continuing to talk about the prevention of overtraining and overreaching. Uh, so carefully monitor. We just said that. Um, sleep, like I mentioned earlier, sleep is when we do our best recovery. This is where the body is really re- it's repairing, making repairs, and those repairs lead to improvements. If you're not getting good sleep, then you're not getting good recovery. And over time, if you don't get good sleep over time, that fatigue and that that basically accumulates and ruins your chance of actually making improvements. You're doing all these quality workouts, you're doing what you're supposed to, but your body can't recover. And so instead of getting better, it's getting worse. Yeah. And if you look at any of the elites or research, any of the elite, you know, athletes uh, that run the marathon or anything and, and kind of study their cycles, you know, they're getting they're getting their eight to 10 hours of sleep at night and then having a training session in the morning. And then most of them, it seems like also take a nap during the day and then Mm -hmm. do a second training cycle. So, you know, if, if we can learn something from the elite athlete, they put a lot of focus on, um, specifically sleep and that recovery that you get from sleep. Yep, wouldn't it be nice to take a nap every day yeah. <laughs> or to get 10 or 12 hours of sleep a day? Yeah, one of these days, right? <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> this, is a, um, this is a big thing. So nutrition, uh, in addition to sleep, your nutrition is vitally important because as we've talked about in the past, the things you eat really, um, you know, think about a, a bad day of nutrition – 
you go get a Big Mac, you, you know, you had a Pop-Tart for breakfast, you came home and <clears throat> ate spaghetti and meatballs, which isn't terrible, but think about all the things you ate in the day and, and think how little micronutrients, how little of the things that we get from, you know, raw fruits and vegetables and, and lean protein and things that actually help your body recover. And, and if you think about it from a cellular level, what those things do and how important it is, if you're really beaten up on your body with a hard workout and you expect it to get better over time, you got to give it the, the fuel it needs and you've got to give it to the, the micronutrients it needs. So um, it is vitally important that you give good nutrition to your body if you expect it to work for you. Yeah, I think that's so important. Maybe it's just because we're getting older or I'm getting older. But, you know, if you talk to some runners, they almost wear that as a badge of honor that, you know, you say, why do you run? And they say, well, I run because so I can eat whatever I want or drink whatever, you yeah. know, whatever I want. And um, really, if you think about that as fuel and energy, um, it just train, you know, changes your perspective on that a little bit. And um, over the years, it's just become kind of imperative for us uh, to be effective runners. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so make sure the training you're doing is appropriate for you, uh, appropriate for your experience level. Um, and don't just think experience, think about where you currently are because let's say you you know, are very experienced and then you take a year off and then you try to go, well, you're no longer – you can't depend on that experience anymore. Your current level is you haven't run in a year. So you really need to make sure that the training you're doing is appropriate for you. You shouldn't be going out there and doing a lot of hard workouts unless it's unless your body's ready for it, which takes a lot of preparation, a lot of base work. And there's some workouts that should, you shouldn't be doing um, until you've been a runner for several years. So it's really important that you make sure that training is, is appropriate for you because what that's going to do, if, if it's if you're doing things that are not appropriate for your current level, your body's going to accumulate that fatigue. It can't possibly recover because your body's not ready for that level of workout. And so you are more at risk at getting to overreaching and overtraining if you're doing things your body's not ready for. Um, again, we talked about heart rate. To prevent overreaching and overtraining, you can monitor your heart rate both during your rest, which I, I think is really important to do. If you're serious about this stuff, um, get up every morning or before you, you get up in the morning, take a look at your heart rate. Um, but also during exercise because it can, it can be telling, like we told, uh, talked about earlier, that um, there's signs that things aren't going right. Um, <clears throat> pay attention to your rate of perceived exertion, your RPE. Um, there's, there's a scale on our plans, and there's lots of scales out there. It's basically either a 1 to 10 or 1 to 20 scale. And, uh, you know, if you're doing a hard workout and it says you should be at a hard zone or, a, you know, let's say a 6 or 7, and you're going for a 9 and 10, well, you're not doing the workout like you're supposed to. You're not you're – not, um, keeping it at the right level. And that means you're working harder than you should be. And even if the plan is designed perfectly, if you're not really sticking to it, you're going too much, uh, then you're going to accumulate more fatigue than you should. And then you're not going to recover like you should. Thinking when you build a, a really good training plan, this recovery should be really built in to the plan. 
not only just days off and, and easy days, but not putting too hard of a workout in the wrong place. So really pay attention to what, what your training plan is telling you and make sure to, um, you know, follow it to the T, make sure you get the recovery days and not going too hard. And then finally to prevent it, make sure that you take the rest days. A lot of people, um, you know, maybe from a motivation perspective, they, they just want to do it every day. So they don't have to think about, you know, Oh, I took a day off, but days off are not uh, by accident. Days off are because your body needs to recover, particularly after a hard workout day either a full day off or sometimes just an easy jog to, to get the blood flowing. But um, it's important to take the rest days and it's important to take, give yourself permission to take additional rest days when you need it. I think a lot of people think, oh, I can't do that because then I get behind or whatever. Well, you're going to get really behind if you don't take the rest when you need it and uh, potentially get to overtraining. So those are some good ideas for pre preventing overtraining. And, uh, and after we kind of talk through this, we'll get to how you recover if you get to overtraining. So any questions on those things, Trav? No, it sounds good, Dan. All those are great um, tips and advice. Okay. So I, I'm just looking on the clock. We're at 21 minutes. Let's keep going so we can get to this awesome random <laughs> world that I never can wait for. So, um, Overtraining. If you've actually got to the level of overtraining, um, and let's talk about overreaching. So again, overreaching is sort of early signs, and, and if you are truly overreaching, you've got a chance to, to get back on track. If you feel any of these symptoms, the first thing you want to do is take time off. Take three to five days off and see how you feel. If you feel like you are back to normal, you might just kind of start back into your cycle. Um, don't necessarily start back where you left off, um, maybe go back to the start of the week that you left off and start back slowly. Keep your volume down. So uh, make sure that you're not doing too much too soon. And um, as long as your, your symptoms are still, you're not feeling those symptoms anymore, you can, you can eke it up from there. But if you've gotten to the point where you're, you've just overdone it and that three to five days didn't make any difference, you got to rest. I mean, I would start with three weeks of just nothing. And how as hard as that sounds, it's really important to do because you've accumulated so much fatigue and so much um, overtraining that you're just not going to get back to it unless you get rest. So during those three weeks, you got to just focus on the same things we talked about preventing, we got to focus on getting really good quality sleep, really good nutrition, and just resting as much as you can. Don't even do any cross training. I mean, just take the three weeks off. And again, if, if the three weeks go by and you still don't feel normal, then, I mean, it can take up to six to eight weeks to fully recover. And if, if at any time you feel like you're in the overtraining stage, the best thing you could do is reach out to your coach, your nutritionist, your physician to talk through what their strategy is for you. Um, but it, but it, the main focus is stop training, get rest, get lots of sleep, get good nutrition, reduce your mental stress because, believe it or not, that ties into things. And then, of course, contact your uh, the people that can help you the best. Good stuff. So that's kind of it, Trev. What do you think? No, I love it. I love it. What I'm thinking of, and you mentioned it early on, kind of the micro and macro cycles. 
And for the most part, you know, every good training plan, you know, keeps an eye on this for you as an athlete. But I'm just thinking about the listener that may not have a discipline plan or an approach that they're using to train. And, you know, I think you've developed each one of our plans with this kind of mindset, but you can jump here and correct me. But typically, the, the plan that, that at least I'm following has, you know, there's a pattern. There's like an easy day. There's a workout day that's focused on, depending on where we are in the cycle, you know, speed, strength, or peak performance. Then there's another rest day, and then a potential workout. And then the long run is on the weekend, and you partition the plans in such a way that you at least give the athlete time to rest and recover between those events. And then what I noticed this week, I was in essentially week three of the 16-week advanced. It almost felt like everything was stepped down a notch. So my long run up to this point was progressively getting longer. So um, it went from like 80 to 90, and then it dropped down to uh, I think like 70 this week. Um, and then I noticed the next cycle it goes back up. So you know you barely touched on that. And I, I know we're, we're watching time a little bit, but is there any other advice that you may give to an athlete that's out there, um, maybe trying to do this on on their own? What you know, what kind of pattern should they look for during their training weeks, and kind of just a, a rule of thumb that they can use? Absolutely, really important stuff. Um, so, it, within the week, within the month, there should be built-in recovery, and and so just like you said, you you can actually do these things based off of stress scores, and that's what I've done. Um, I, I utilize the ones that Jack Daniels um, uses, but essentially, and that's if you're not a, a runner and familiar with Jack Daniels, it's not the drink. He's a very accomplished, very awesome coach. Yeah. Um, just to put it out there, but um, <laughs> so he uses a stress score system, and so a really simple stress score sim- uh, system that you can use is like your rate of perceived exertion. If you run an easy run and it's a three out of 10 scale, so it's, it's pretty easy. It's a three out of 10 and you run that for 30 minutes, that would be like a score of 90, three times 30. But if you do a 30 minute run and it's a seven, then it's a 210, I think three times or seven times 30. So so 310. So you've got either a 90 or a 210 that gives you an idea of how hard. Now, that's a pretty simple system, and the one that Jack Daniels uses is a little bit more complex than that. So, um, But essentially what it tells you is you shouldn't put a, a 210 and a 210 and a 210 together because you're not giving yourself enough time to recover. So you might have um, uh, the hard workout, which is a 210, and then an easy uh, uh, run the next morning that's like a, a 60 or a 70. And the next day it might be – 150. And so if you keep an eye on the actual numbers, um, and that's why it can be somewhat scientific, not perfect, but you have to build it the best you can. So from day to day, you have training blocks and recovering blocks. And then week to week, like you said, Travis, you've had two progressively hard work weeks. And then the next week was a recovery week and everything is a little bit less volume, less intensity. And that's purposeful because you've accumulated stress, not just day to day, but also week to week. And that third week or fourth week, whatever, wherever you're that, that recovery week lands, gives your body the opportunity to fully adapt to the last few weeks. And then you go and bump it up the next week. So that's absolutely right. It's that using the principles of training, uh, applying overload to your body, applying recovery to your body, 
which gives you adaption. And that's, that's basically, I mean, it sounds really easy, but um, that's how you kind of put these things together so that uh, you don't get injured and you reduce the risk of overtraining. Very cool. Much more scientific than my easy day, workout day, easy day, workout day. But you know <laughs> well, it's, what? It's important I, I, for people. Yeah, as an athlete, though, I'm glad that you put that much effort into it um, and thoughtfulness into it because, um, you know, it just makes you feel good that there is a true disciplined approach behind those plans that um, that are out there. And I guess, again, if you, if you find yourself out there um, without a plan trying to do this alone, jump on runfit365.com and just download one of Dan's plans um, and just give it a try. It, it's... Um, they're free. I don't know. <laughs> if you download it and you don't like it, you don't have to use it, I guess. But just don't Absolutely. tell don't tell Dan about it. No, I actually tell me about it. I want to <laughs> I want to know because one, I, you know, Travis knows me well. I, I stress about these things being absolutely spot on perfect. And, you know, it may not be everybody's cup of tea or there might be something that people don't understand like um, somebody had downloaded a plan and didn't like it because it was based on time. Well, we we've, we've got a whole podcast on that, but this it is exactly um, this is a good point because overtraining, um, like we said, is doing things. Part of it is doing things that you're you're not ready for or um, it's not appropriate for you, and not just intensity, but also um, volume. And so there's a lot a lot of free plans out there. You can go online and find them, um, and most of them, I'd say maybe even all of them that I've seen online that are free, say go out and run five miles, go out and run eight miles, go out and run 12 miles. Well, that's great if that's appropriate for you. I'd rather some, tell somebody go out, run for 30 minutes and 40 minutes and 50 minutes because that's, you know, if, if you're a, uh, a slower athlete, um, 30 minutes is all you need. You don't need to get to four miles. You don't need to get to six miles. So that's, that's why I do it by time. And I totally understand it's hard for people to understand or, or even buy into that because we're so um, used to, to miles and, and looking at that and feeling accomplished. But there's a reason behind that. I'm not trying to be mean. It's, it's just a, the, the best way to make sure people don't get overloaded too much and then uh, keep from getting injured. Obviously, I'm a little passionate about that. I went off a little tangent, but well, it's really important for people to know that a lot went into these. Well, what, let's just tee this up for episode 17. Why don't you tell us how you really feel about time versus miles? Oh, I think we did no, that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really feel about it, I right, see. Right, yeah, we can just underline how you really feel. No, but, but Dan, I, I mean, again, that's um, just knowing that kind of background and insight, your passion about why you've designed these plans the way you have just, um, you know, just shows who you are. So uh, thanks for that. Um, and, and it's awesome as I kind of, <laughs> I've cheated about the runner's world thing here. I kind of looked ahead. <laughs> so um, are we at a spot to transition, you think? Yeah, I think we're good. Let's do it. All right. So this is coming from the September 2013 magazine. And I flipped to page 72 and 73. And, and the reason why I'm laughing, because it, this is called the training special section, and it's called run and retweet. And essentially on both pages here, it's uh, different people tweeting back, you know, different training advice. And, you know, Twitter's got 140 characters or less. And the first tweet, I promise you this, it says, 
run for minutes instead of miles. If you're feeling, <laughs> no, here's the rest of it. If you're feeling great, you may go six miles in 50 minutes. If you're not, you may go 4.5. And that comes from, uh, you may know this guy, Greg McMillan. Yep, and he's absolutely. head coach of McMillan Running and author of um, You, Only Faster. So mm-hmm. uh, sorry to cut that little section short there, but as I flip to this page, I'm like, he's going to love this. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm on the same page as Greg. That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. Let me, uh, let me just read through a few of these to see. Um, this might be a, a short section here just because they're tweets, but... Uh, what, this one's kind of funny. Never make a decision when going up a hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. Let me see. Um, never, ever, ever judge a run by the first mile. Oh, so, no doubt. We yeah. talked about the first the first mile being hard. Actually, that reminds me. I, I read or, or saw something from Jack Daniels recently. He tells runners to run with their brain for 75, the first 75% of the race and then run with their heart for the last 25. It yeah. makes so much perfect sense to make good decisions up front and then, then take it out the, the last 25%. Here's another good one. Just when you're ready to give up, it's when a breakthrough is about to happen. How mm-hmm. many times on a run have you, you know, there, running's like a roller coaster. There's so many peaks and valleys during, during a race, but that's, that's a good one. Here's another one. Don't chase the guy who passes you. You don't know if he's having the best day of his running life or whether he's about to fall to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, you know, the, the point of that is, you know, know your pace and stick to it, right? Yep. Here's one. Expect each race to be the toughest yet. Brace yourself for the worst to run your best. That's from Matt Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'm just looking through some of these here. Here's a here's kind of a funny one. It doesn't matter what happens between the starting line and the finish line. All that matters is you cross both. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. This is there's tons of good little stuff in here. Um, Here's one. I'm, I'm looking for ones that relate to this podcast. This one might be a stretch, but it says, a long training run, or a run of any distance for that matter, does not justify eating everything post-run that is not tied down. So, oh, I think that's very appropriate to what we've talked about. Yeah. And I had one of those days today after my long run. It was just like I cannot, you know, and some days like that when you – especially log a 20 mile or you come back and you're just like um, putting anything in your body that's not tied down. You're just so hungry. Most people do that. I mean, I, I think most people take their good days and their bad days, but just know that everybody does it. It's not, you know, don't let it get to you. Here's kind of a motivational one. The only run you regret is the one you don't go on. So true. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Every run is a gift. Here's one. Be lazy in the first half and stubborn in the second. Don't go out too fast. Then keep pushing. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I don't know, Dan. There's probably 30 more of these things. Um, That's the beauty of Twitter. You know, short sound bites. 
Oh, here's another one that ties into this. This is another one from McMillan. Being the fittest spectator stinks. Sacrifice any and everything to get to the line healthy. Nice. So maybe that's the one we close on today because it ties back to, you know, your signs of overtraining and how to prevent that. But, um, you know, you could have the best training cycle and overdo it. Then you, you could find yourself uh, spectating <laughs> at the race you were supposed to be in. Exactly. So, Dan, thanks again for those uh, signs of overtraining. And that random runner's world was kind of fun and, um, I guess, cheesy at the same time. But, <laughs> but, but we're due for a, for a dud here and there. Anything before we close? I don't think so. I, I, you know, I'd like to read every single one of those tweets because they're pretty motivational. And I think anything you can do to motivate yourself to keep going is important to do. Just make sure you keep uh, aware so that you're not overdoing it, obviously. Absolutely. Um, Dan, you'll, you'll post this on the blog eventually uh, on the site, I'm sure, um, yep. for people to kind of reference back to. Um, so with that in mind, please continue to check out RunFit365 for frequent updates. Um, if you're one of those people that don't have a training plan, that find themselves just out there every day, um, check us out. Download one of the training plans. I think you kind of heard Dan's passion and uh, his brilliance today and what he puts into every one of these plans, so you'll be in great hands. Um, and then follow us on social media. Again, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google+. We've got an Instagram ac account. Stay connected with us. We're seeing more and more people use the hashtag of PR Challenge. Uh, so download uh, a plan and get engaged with that. We want to see 1 million people PR this year. I know it's an ambitious goal, but uh, if enough of the listeners spread the word, I think that's something that we could totally achieve this year. And again, it's not about downloading our plans. We just want to help the running community advance and uh, runners in general. So um, enroll in that if you haven't already. Dan, any parting words of wisdom or advice? No, I, I've exhausted my advice for the day. Yeah, hopefully you can go get some good sleep. Um, yeah. So you don't overtrain, right? Exactly. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, until next time, happy training.